Yesterday in our reading, Nehemiah had asked how everything was going on back at home, resettling Jerusalem, only to find out that the city was a mess, full of chaos and looting. Everyone and everything was so vulnerable and exposed, it was going to be difficult to impossible to make a new life in their homeland, which should have been a joyful homecoming, had turned into an extended nightmare. This is Steve Thompson, and today we'll be continuing in Nehemiah, the first chapter, verses 4 through 11. So this is Nehemiah speaking. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Is there anything in your experience that might help you relate to the gut punch that Nehemiah was feeling in that moment? He was devastated. He sat down, wept, mourned, fasted, and prayed for days. That was the only response that he knew to do. The only thing he could muster was to mourn and to pray. Have you ever had anything in your life that you carried a tremendous burden for like that? Maybe an injustice that dragged you to your knees or a crumbling relationship that made your heart just ache. Friends and family, maybe, who are far from Jesus and you desperately pray for a heart change. Maybe especially so as you see time getting short on life. Is there anything that would drive you to mourn or to fast or to pray for days on end? Back when I was 28, I was pastoring my first church in Auburn Hills, Michigan, and feeling completely ill-equipped for the job of bringing a church back to a life that had really, for all intents and purposes, died. I mean, there was a small remnant of elderly people who worshipped faithfully. They were good people, but they could never have kept that place afloat if it weren't for a preschool that was renting out the facilities during the week. And I felt like it was my job to breathe new life into this community. Uh, it was like a, it was a second chance. 
and I needed to make the most of it, but I didn't know what it was going to take. And I didn't feel like I had what it would take. It was going to take a move of God. It was going to take a miracle. So together, we all prayed and fasted. It was my first extended fast, and it was painful. But I remember the drive that kept me going. Every morning, I would remind myself that my hunger, my desire, my need to see God show, show up far exceeded my hunger for physical food. I was desperate. Have you ever been that hungry for something to see things change? If not, what do you think that might take? Like what circumstance in life would drive you to that kind of pursuit of God, wanting, desiring, pleading for him to show up? We're going to come back to that question in just a minute when we wrap up today's devotional, but I want to just make three other observations that jumped out at me here in this text. And I underlined them in my Bible. Whenever I feel like God's making some words jump off the page at me, I underline them. And so these were some of those. The first one is take responsibility for your part in the problem. See, in verses 6 and 7, Nehemiah confesses that he and his family and the whole nation, but he, he brought it right down to home for he and his family, they'd messed up. They haven't been faithful to what God had asked of them. So he just owns it. He said, we're part of the problem. And so I have to ask myself when I'm pleading with God, how have I contributed to the problem that I'm pouring my heart out for? How have my decisions gotten us to this place we find ourselves in that we don't like? The second thing is remembering and holding on to God's promises. So in verses 8 and 9, he quotes out of Deuteronomy, and he's quoting God's very promise that if even in exile to the ends of the earth they would come back to him, he would bring them back to their homeland. And so the question comes to my mind, do you know God's promises? Do I know them? Do, do we know his character well enough based on how he's acted in history? In other words, based on knowing scripture, knowing the stories of the Bible, how he's interacted with people and humanity throughout time. And by knowing his story, could we confidently ask, knowing what's already in his heart, and how he leans and, and, and where he already wants to move. You see, when we go to God to ask him to move, it's just so helpful to have an idea of what he cares about. Seek God, not just for what he can do, but for who he is, just for the sake of knowing your heavenly dad. And then my final observation is go to ask when after you know that, after you know God's heart, then you can go to God and ask him to do what only he can do. And specifically in this case, um, he's asking for God to change the heart of King Artaxerxes and make him open to what he was about to ask him. So we can ask God when we know his will, when he know we know his desires, when you know when we know what he's already wanting to do, and he wants us to ask for those things. And now I want to circle back around to those earlier questions. 
Can you relate at all with Nehemiah being in a position where you so desperately want God to show up because you want to see change and you can't do it on your own? I'm going to assume that this isn't an automatic for everyone. Maybe most of us have never felt that way. So this is where I feel like it might be helpful to spend 10 minutes right after you sign off from this podcast to think on this for a little bit and write down some answers to the following questions. Okay? So the very first question, that's where you're going to take the bulk of your time. Really think and pray on this and then write your answers down. What are your musts in life? I'm not talking about a bucket list. I'm not not talking about things that you'd like to do before you die. I'm talking about what are the things that if you died tomorrow and you didn't have these things done or accomplished or you hadn't started them or hadn't begun to change your life to pursue these things or get them, uh, get these experiences, that you feel like your life would have been a failure, that you feel like you would have wasted the time that God gave you and didn't steward and didn't respond to his calling in the way he'd asked you to, or, or just maybe they aren't even related to God, but they're a must. Like your life didn't end up living up to its purpose and potential. If you didn't at least pour yourself out doing these things or try to do some of these things. So when I did this exercise, I only came up with two things but they were two huge things that are still yet to be seen in my own life, but they are musts. Do you have any of those? Write a couple of them down. Maybe you've got a bunch of them, but maybe it's just one thing. What is it? And then after you've taken time and you've written down what you think are the essentials, now you need to ask yourself, what are you willing to do right now to see that happen? I mean, for Nehemiah, he felt like God was his only recourse. And so by humbling himself and praying and fasting and crying out to God, he, that was the only way he was going to see change. That was the only way he was going to see this situation in Jerusalem turn around. What is it for you? What are you willing to do right now to see that happen, those musts happen in your life? And then the final question is, how are those things shaping your prayers? Your prayers, the things that you're talking to God a lot about, most often about, are going to follow suit, if that's where your heart is. So I'm going to wrap up in prayer, but please take some time to just think through those things. Father God, we look at Nehemiah and see him absolutely torn up about the condition of Jerusalem. And to him, he desperately needed you to show up. God, I pray that you'd make it clear in our own minds and hearts, what are those things in our life that tear us up because they're not done, they're undone, they need to be addressed, and we need to spend our lives addressing them or making it happen. God, would you bring that, would you crystallize that in our minds and hearts? And then, Father, may we have the boldness and the courage to shape our lives in pursuit of those things so that we can get to see you show up. 
So Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Guide us in these next couple of minutes. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.